Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Blog Talk Radio. Yeah, yeah. You already know what time it is. It's that official time. When we take this worldwide. Let's go. So now it's time to turn it up Surf the radio waves as we begin to burn it up We all up in your area like landscape Definitely bringing you the power slam and pancakes It's a mandate that you tune in It's time to move out so we can move in And recognize that this is no illusion I'm here to clear the air so that there is no confusion It all started off in the book of Genesis When Jacob was wrestling with who he thought was his nemesis And when the man saw he couldn't overpower him He touched his hip but he really couldn't have devoured him and from that point, then we hear a name change, rearrange the game, so now we gotta change brains. Uh, so I'm here to let you know it's time to listen to the Pancake and Power Slam show. Let's go! Turn it up, turn it up, it's the Pancake and Power Slam. Turn it up, turn it up, it's the Pancake and Power Slam. Turn it up, turn it up, it's the Pancake and Power Slam show. Uh. Turn it up, Now listening to the Pancakes and Power Slam show by Crave Wrestling on Blog Talk Radio. Be sure to follow Crave Wrestling on Twitter at Crave Wrestling and join the Facebook fan page Crave Wrestling. Episode 247, ladies and gentlemen, 247th episode of the Pancakes and Power Slam show. I am Chris Featherstone, as always. Follow us at Crave Wrestling on Twitter and Facebook at Crave Wrestling. Uh, I am really, really, really excited about tonight's tonight's guest. Uh, this person, I, st- I started knowing about... Um, when I started watching ECW, and then I went a little bit further back and just saw some of the territorial uh, promotions that he that he wrestled, but uh, it was something about this person that was uh, just a very eccentric character back in ECW, and then after that, uh, just many variations and incarnations later, uh, I am on the <laughs> I am I am on the show right now with none other. Did Mr. Head himself, <laughs> Al Snow, how are you tonight, sir? I am fantastic. If I were any better, I would be jealous of myself. No, nice. I I, uh, I think I would agree with that as far as uh, as far as how I'm doing as well. So I think we're two peas yeah. in the pods there. 
good for you, man. That's just, you know, it's good. You, you get so, you get to the point, man, what Chris, where you just walk by the mirror and you look at yourself and you go, oh, man, you are, you're lucky. You know, <laughs> you're lucky to just be you. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree with that, man. I, I, as a as a PhD student, a successful journalist, and a, a more than that, a very a happy husband and father. So uh, I agree yeah. with you. Yeah. Well, uh, I, I love being a porn star, so, you know, that's, so. <laughs> that's your side job, yeah. Um, yep. Yeah, breaking news, by the way. <laughs> yeah. yeah so, so breaking, I didn't even know myself. Exactly, right. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so it took you about a dozen years to get your first break, right? Uh, about, you know, you know, quote unquote a break, meaning that I, you know, really started to get noticed. Mm hmm by uh a, you know the the average or the general fan yeah i mean it took about well i'd say a good 12 to 14 years mm -hmm. to uh to and that's and that's that's pretty normal i mean when when i first had broken into professional wrestling they had you know they had said you know kids you're probably not going to make any real money until you're in your 30s which i broke in when i was 18 so you know it, it's just it's a it's a matter of uh experience and, and, and under, you know, finding your own voice, yeah. you know, developing that, that character that resonates with. with yeah. yeah. So within those 12 years, what is, I mean, what is just something that you remember that was just like the pits as far as like a gimmick throughout that time wrestling, um, uh, before, you know, I, of course, I think you made a really good point. By quote-unquote break, we're thinking 95 ECW, but you started in the early yeah. 80s. So during that time, um, you know, what is just, you know, the the, the what you learned the most, and you said, you said something really good about as far as, you know, making money when you're 30. But what are some, you know, who are some wrestlers that kind of gave you some advice along the way? And what is just a gimmick that you were like, oh, I wish I'd never did that? Well, you know, tons. I mean, it, it's, you know, the worst gimmick was the gimmick of just being a wrestler, just being a nondescript, you know, um, guy in a pair of uh, trunks or tights that went out there and, and just wrestled. That was probably the worst gimmick I ever had. Um, probably the most challenging and the most difficult was when I first went into WWF and, you know, did the Avatar gimmick, which... Um, you know the, the the success and failure of that was was on my shoulders, and but it was you know it was a you know it's a tough that's a tough road to hoe going out there you know carrying a mask, um, putting it on to wrestle, yeah. even though everybody already knows your identity, and then wrestling and then taking surprise you take the mask off and you're still the same person that came out to the ring. So you know it's like you know it's. It, takes a different approach and than what you know you you're used to and that was a that was a tough spot that yeah. was a real tough spot you know but you know the number one rule is to take uh crap and make sure no there's no such word as can't you've got to always be able to take an opportunity and make the most of it and you know i didn't at that time so yeah, I think that's a good point. Well, one thing I did notice, and uh, something that the WWE made sure to bill you from, and ECW as well, Lima, Ohio. Um, that was something that always uh, kept me close to Al Snow. 
uh, both literally and uh, metaphorically, I guess you can say, uh, because uh, I am an Ohioan as well. So yeah, uh, yeah, I, I'm. Uh, that's something that's uh, really got excited about as far as just as a teenager. Some oh, he's from Ohio, <laughs> so that's that's really cool. <laughs> when when yeah, I was a teenager, I was in high school when uh, you dated Beauty in ECW. Um, so yeah, that was something that uh, I stayed close to. Um, so does that make you? I mean, as far as sports, I mean, Ohio State, Cleveland. I mean, where, where are you uh-huh. at as far as sports? As far as sports, gosh, you know that's that's a that's a that's a loaded question from where I live because where I where I grew up in Lima, which is up in the northwest corner. So, right. you know, we had fans that were fans of the Detroit Tigers or the Detroit Lions. We had fans of the Chicago Cubs, the Sox, or the Bears. Or you know, we had fans that were in uh, hockey, you know, the um, Blackhawks or the uh, Detroit Red Wings. Um, you know, Cincinnati Reds, uh, Cincinnati Bengals, Cleveland Indians, Cleveland Browns. You know, so we kind of lived in a place that we kind of got everything. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you know, you know, but Ohio, you know, it didn't matter where you were from, Ohio, it's Ohio State. You know, oh, yeah. All the way. All the way. Absolutely. And, uh, and then, uh, but I'd have to say, you know, because I grew up in the time of the Big Red Machine, so I'd have oh, to red. red yeah, there you go. And then, yeah, man, I'd have to say, oh, yeah, I'd have to say the Cleveland Browns for football. Ooh, I'm sure yeah. that's tough to say. Yeah. Well, at least you said Ohio State. I am a, I am a uh, fellow avid Ohio State fan. Um, we got a we got a tough task uh, coming on New Year's Eve against Clemson, and hopefully uh, we can be we can win two out of three college football playoffs. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah, I think yeah. so. I, I'm confident. Yeah, you know, Ohio State's got an amazing program. You know, and uh, my money's on Ohio State. I agree with you totally. So let's talk about your ECW days uh, real quick. Um, you, you were there uh, for about a couple of years, right? Uh, no, I was actually there for about a year. Mm-hmm. And, well, you had two stints, um, right? I had two stints. I went in prior to going um, to Smoky Mountain, you know, just as Al Snow, and uh, and then went um, to uh, Smoky Mountain Wrestling, um, which was ran by Jim Cornette. And, uh, was, and the plan was I was going to work both territories, but uh, Paul – you know, I think kind of wanted just people that were loyal to ECW and uh, at that time and not going, you know, dividing their um, commitments. So I, that kind of ran its course and I was with, uh, you know, smoking out 100%. Um, and then that, you know, uh, developed into an opportunity. Um, both, you know, I had uh, went from being like known as the best kept secret in wrestling to, you know, getting an, you know, an opportunity with WCW to be looked at and talked to, and and then the very next week, you know, being flown to to Connecticut and, you know, having a two-hour meeting with this man and like, signing with WWF and, you know, it was incredible. And then I went back to ECW um, because I had. I knew at that time that um, 
if I stayed where I was in WWE, um, I was never going to go any further. It was, you know, I was kind of had uh, ran my course in, in the spot that I was in. I was going to be stuck there in that spot. It was not going to, I had to go someplace else and I had to, in wrestling terms, you know, get myself over, get, you know, make myself a, a marketable personality. And, uh, um, got lucky and, you know, cause of timing and, and relationship with Chris Candido and, um, who went and appealed to Paul Heyman, who appealed to Vince McMahon. And they, you know, I was still under contract with WWF at the time. And they basically put me on the road to ECW, which, you know, there was no plans or no, you know, or nothing like that. But, you know, I went there with the sole intentions of doing everything I could to try to get myself over, try to create my voice, uh, a character, you know, to, to the point of where, you know, either Paul would pay to keep me or WCW would pay to take me away or WWE would pay to get me back, Yeah, you know, and, uh, and through the grace of God and the plastic head, you know, it worked. So. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, and, and it's interesting because you said that you went back to ECW to get yourself over. Uh, you know, essentially, if you didn't do that, you know, the, the head gimmick wouldn't, wouldn't have been birthed. And, uh, you know, it was it was very much of a good idea. And it was a gamble, of course, because WWE, ECW, it was – uh, it was a juggernaut versus versus an upstart as far as the ECW Extreme brand is concerned. So you know, kudos kudos to you for for making that jump and uh, end up uh, giving you a better opportunity with the WWE as far as the yeah. uh, the Hardcore Championship run is concerned. Yeah, yeah, you know, I got the opportunity with uh, the World Tag Team Titles, the, the Hardcore Title, the European. European title. I had, you know, the run with Tough Enough, you know, the commentary position yep. um, with Sunday Night Heat. And, you know, I, I had, a, you know, an absolutely wonderful career in, you know, WWE and, you know, in professional wrestling in general. I've, you know, there are those that have done more um, and, you know, but I've done much more than many and I've lasted longer than, you know, a great amount, a great amount. So, yeah. you know, I'm very, very blessed and very happy that I've gotten to be able to do what I love to do for as long as I've been able to do it. Yeah, let's talk about the European Championship for a little bit. Now, uh, I really wanted to, to ask you this, and I was really excited because, um, you know, we, we've had you scheduled on the show for a little bit now, but uh, after I had you scheduled on the show, the information broke uh, from the WWE that they're debuting a new United Kingdom Championship. And so as soon as I thought about that, I said, oh, yes, <laughs> that's a, a fantastic <laughs> conversation point to talk to Al about because he was – uh, the European champion, but you mm-hmm. know he—you he, know—I remember in your stint that you were saying that you were billed from different places, and you know <laughs> that uh, representing different different countries. In exactly Europe. Yeah. right. Um, yeah, because I'm a true European champion. Right. You just have, you're going to represent all of Europe. That's exactly right. Yeah. And so what, what are your thoughts on that? Because there's, you know, the, the UK championship uh, is seem, seemingly from, you know, all the things that I've reported and wrote about, it's going to be exclusive to some, you know, some countries in, in the UK and, yeah. and, and they, they wanted to be a jump off uh, 
of the brands that they're already making, like NXT and the Cruiserweights, and eventually have its own show. Now, sure. what are, what are your thoughts on that as far as, you know, it being seemingly concentrated to the UK audience who were, you know, who, who, who watched the WWE based on American talent, but when the European Championship, which basically is the same thing, was in the WWE, it didn't go too well. It started to just kind of fade away because it was a secondary championship and they really didn't have any European stars, you know, to win the European championship minus like a Regal or a Bulldog. Other other than that, it just wasn't a lot of European championships. So what are your thoughts on the UK championship? I think it's fantastic. There's an amazing, you know, talent in the UK and there's amazing, it's an amazing wrestling scene over there. I have a, you know, wrestling academy in London yep. that uh, I operate and, uh, you know, just the, the wealth of uh, talent that's not been explored over there um, is is the depth and so on is is it's a great opportunity for them you know to showcase themselves on a bigger platform with the network you know it's 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 brilliant marketing on WWE's part to now they can you know give content that can help drive that you know UK market and hence the European market you know, exposure for talent that eventually they could possibly bring up to the main roster. I mean, it's, there's nothing but positives for that. So, What would your be advice for it not to go the direction of the European championship? Well, you know, I think it's not going to. It's a different time. It's a different, you know, uh, different uh, purpose behind the title. Yeah. Um, um, I think it's a different. Uh, um, they have a, they have an additional platform for it, um, you know, and uh, so I, I, you know, I think that it, 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 the European title there was, you know, the intentions were correct there. <clears throat> it just wasn't. They just didn't have everything that they do now with this with the UK title. That's true. They can really capitalize on. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Especially the talent is concerned. They have a plethora of of, of talent in UK, as you mentioned. Uh, well, and, and in Europe too. I mean, in Germany's is 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 really uh, doing great right now. Yep. Uh, as far as you know, wrestling is concerned, the independent wrestling there, Scotland, uh, you know, England, um, Wales. I mean, they're, they're doing really doing really well. World of Sport, they've just, you know, revitalized and, and have tried a, you know, another uh, shot at creating the world, old World of Sport wrestling television program there in England, you know. So, you know, I think that, I think that it's a, it's a really, uh, um, it's a great time to, to create the title and to, um, like I said, give a, a an opportunity to uh, a lot of talent that otherwise would not be getting seen, and then create a and then it, and it, it's a platform that helps to market for an audience, and that uh, you know it can drive business with that with that title. Yeah, so. yeah, I think that I think you brought some good points there. Speaking of the UK, uh, TNA, you you've. Uh, spent the the better part of this decade uh in tna um and 
basically, TNAs, they usually have a pretty packed house every time they would go to the U.K. Um, yeah. Yeah, so what is it about TNA that has such a, a, a magnetic U.K. appeal? Well, they had a very strong television presence yeah. for many years, and that's that's really key in wrestling, you know. Um, you know, a lot of people don't understand what a wrestling television program is. It's not a television program. Wrestling television program is a basically an infomercial, uh, you know, to sell your product and your product or your wrestlers. And, you know, that's, uh, that's the sole purpose for it. And, uh, you know, with a strong television presence like that in the UK, and uh, not really a lot of direct competition from WWE at that time um, without a net, the network and without a television act, strong television access like TNA had, it allowed for them to, to flourish and, uh, and we were killing. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. So what are your overall thoughts of the gut check challenge that you participated in as a, uh, as a judge? I thought it was great. I, you know, it genuinely was a uh, avenue to give people who had been wrestling for years a opportunity on a national stage or an international stage to get noticed. And you know, as with all wrestling, it was you know we had a it was supposed to be like a work. You know, like we would know going out there. Oh well, you know. We really, I don't think we're going to hire this person or whatever, but they have a great story and we're going to, you know, let them go on TV and tell it. But it, it, but it turned out that it became genuinely an opportunity for people. And a lot of people got hired and got runs um, because of being involved in gut check. Yeah. You know, Joey, Joey Ryan's a fine example. Made his own opportunity. Absolutely. You know, did an amazing job. Yeah. Sam Shaw as well. Mhm. Um, and West Briscoe with the aces and eights. <laughs> so mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Uh, Alex Silva wasn't very. Um, uh, wasn't he? He didn't have a lot of high remarks on it as far as uh, him being a successful contestant, but him not getting an opportunity to actually uh, compete for the company. What are your thoughts on on that? Uh, well, Alex is a good kid, but the key word would be kid. Alex was very immature, and um, he got an opportunity at the wrong time. You know, he was very talented, very charismatic, had uh, had great potential. The problem was he just didn't have the maturity level to handle it properly and to be able to take advantage of it. It's unfortunate. Yeah. You know. Yeah, it is. And now you're uh, you're doing a few things. Uh, you know, there was. Uh, uh, you, you came back with uh, with having an, an angle with Shira, and then um, and then you brought in the tribunal, and then recently uh, the tribunal uh, kind of uh, did away with uh, the coaching of Al Snow, uh, yeah. and then you uh, teamed up with uh, Shira. Yeah, exactly. I, 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 have, I have no clue. Someone who's been in the business for nearly 35 years, it just doesn't make any sense to me. I don't know, uh, <laughs> I don't know what they're drinking. <laughs> but uh, you, you formed an, uh, an alliance with, with Shira. 
and the the person the same person who uh you would uh whip like a <laughs> like a no good uh, <laughs> uh yeah, a, a no good worker we'll just say that um and what what was it about Shearer that you saw um that uh, you wanted to work with the one most important aspect of trying to pursue something like professional wrestling or anything else is that you have to have a passion for it mm-hmm. a real true passion absolutely tons of guys over 35 years that have all the talent, size, charisma, skill, looks, and they fail miserably because they don't have the passion to do it. Yeah. And, you know, Shira, you know, is, is from India. He's from, uh, you know, Bangladesh. So he's left his home, his family, his country, didn't know how to speak English, he traveled to Nashville, Tennessee, and all for the dream of being a professional wrestler. You know, that's, that's impressive. Yeah. Um, and now leaves America, travels to England, and is, you know, has been training at the, at the academy that I run for the last several months um, there, you know, to gain more experience and better understanding, all because he wants it so badly, you know. So he goes from, you know, one foreign country to another foreign country, you know, the whole time, you know, trying to understand culture and languages and changes and everything else. And, you know, all in the pursuit of trying to be a professional wrestler living this dream. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you, uh, you made it, you made it sound really good to partner up with them. And I think uh, you brought, <laughs> you brought in some really good points uh, real quick before we uh, plug your Academy here. Um, so, there's, you know, I don't want to get too much into the legal stuff, um, and and because uh, that's, uh, you know, whatever's public is public. Um, and but as far as Anthem is concerned, what what are some uh, some some expectations you have uh, from the, um, the the new acquisition uh, from of, of TNA, you know, from them, uh, and you know, what are what are some some uh, objectives for 2017? Well, expectations, I would, I would expect and hope that they would be wholeheartedly invested, not just financially, but, you know, and, and, and motivated to try to grow the company yeah. and, and, you know, um, do everything they can to, you know, a lot of people don't realize, and I say this, not just because I'm with the company, because I could care less about that. I mean, if anybody listens to any areas I've done, it's not like I'm afraid to say, speak my mind. Um, I've always been so impressed about the fact that with TNA that, you know, they have basically a third of the budget uh, production-wise, a third of the talent budget, a third of the, you know, talent roster, a third of the production staff, third of the actual you know, managerial staff, not even a third or less than an eighth. Um, uh, you know, I can go on down the list and everybody <clears throat> works so hard to produce a show that, granted, it's not nearly, you know, at the level of WWE, but it's not far off and, and is, is competitive in a lot of ways. And um, that is a testament to everyone's passion and 
effort that everyone had constantly puts in at that company, you know, and, you know, the hope is that with additional resources, they can now, you know, help to carry things even a step above and, you know, do even more. And with that work ethic, with additional resources, it, it should help to really help us succeed and grow. What do you say to the people, uh, including myself at times, that, you know, say, you know, TNA has nine lives and, you know, it just seems like it just keeps, you know, scraping and scraping. Yeah. What are your thoughts on mm-hmm. Well, I, I, not because I work for the company, but thank God it does. I mean, <clears throat> what are we going to, you know, we're going to, um, have just a singular market of WWE and nothing else, no alternative, no options, no nothing. I mean, who benefits for that? Yeah, I mean, you know, that's true. the wrestlers themselves don't benefit. WWE itself doesn't benefit. Uh, the fans certainly don't benefit, you know, cause it, it, you lose all of the, the possibilities and the creativity and the magic that could possibly, you know, happen if, places like TNA and more, if we could get more to exist again, that could, you know, that could just help wrestling as a whole, as opposed to just, Oh, well, we just have WWE. And yeah. That's it. Yeah. Well, okay. You know, it's human nature that WWE is going to, at some point, if it's just them, they're not going to push as hard. They're not going to create as much. They're not going to be as driven. You know, it's, it's just the competition's not there. And to any degree, not that TNA is that much of a competitor, but, you know, at least it keeps them somewhat going, you know. I've said this so many times on my show. You know, I, you were on the WWE side of the Monday Night Wars uh, uh, throughout the heart of it. And, you know, it just seems like the weekly um, uh, conquest uh, to uh, supremacy was there for the WWE every single week. It was we're going to give we're going to give well during during the Monday Night Wars as far as the competitive when they saw that the WCW was about competition. Yeah. You know, it was hey, uh, let's let's kind of regroup here and redirect some things. Yeah, um, I personally don't believe that we see that uh, with the WWE. I'm very critical um, of the WWE um, a lot of times, um, and and I think you made a good point as far as just if there's nothing, at least at least with TNA, there's something. I've been very critical of TNA as well. I've, 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 I've just like you, I also speak my mind in a, in a PG way, uh, but yeah. But at the same time, I, I one thing, if I could be an apologist for TNA, I can't say that without TNA, um, it makes a, a highly criticized WWE creative uh, presentation even more <laughs> critical, to be honest but with you. So kudos to you. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. One, you don't have to apologize for TNA. <clears throat> Nobody does. Two, TNA does its own thing and it creates its own uh, – its own success and its own failures. Three, WWE, everybody talks about WWE creative and all of this. Everybody needs to stop that right now. It is not WWE creative's business. It is not TNA's creative business. It is no one's business but the wrestler's business. It is 100% the people in the ring who perform their responsibility. So the talent's not That's stepping up. That's their job. 
Well, I'm not saying they're not because I, I haven't watched. Okay. So I can't evaluate. Gotcha. I'm simply telling you and anyone who listens that when you all sit around and go, oh, creative this and creative that, it's not the writer's business. It has been and always will be a talent-driven business. What is created in that ring is created by the talent that lives and it dies by the talent, period. There are no ifs, ands, or buts, and, and people can debate as much as they want about it, but at the end of the day, that's the truth. It is a, it is the wrestler's business, and it's the wrestler's responsibility. Now, creative gives direction, gives ideas, gives uh, uh, a canvas, and gives a, hey, I want this picture painted. And now it's up to the talent to paint the picture. And, that, and, and it's no different than, than when a director tells an actor, hey, I want you to be this character. It's up to the actor to create the character. And it's up to the wrestler to tell that story, perform in a manner that motivates an audience, their emotions to get to rise so high that they are now driven to watch that talent on a regular basis, regardless of what those emotions are. Now let me ask you this: I think you, because you've been on the creative side, so I, I, I'm, I agree with. I, I'm listening to you. I'm soaking in what you have because of your experience as a wrestler and someone from the creative staff. Um, you know, to 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 kind of poke at, at what you just said real quick before before we close. Um, huh? You you know you had. Uh, things like Leaf Cassidy and Avatar and Shinobi that uh -huh. weren't necessarily your first pick. Uh, so in those cases, you know, with with situations that necessarily weren't in your favor, how do you rise above that? You, you know, you have to take it and make it your own. Um, there is no. I wish that I could verbalize it, but it's not a, something that you can verbalize. It's, it's, you know, you're given a, you're always, you're given a platform and then, and they don't give you just so you understand, <laughs> they don't stand there and they go, okay, you're going to go out there and you're going to do, you know, at least they didn't used to. I don't know so much anymore, but I know, you know, when I produce a match, I don't stand there and go, well, you're going to go out there and you're going to do this, 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 this. I go, I would suggest, you know, here's what we're trying to accomplish. Here's what we want think, people to think, feel, and believe. Here's the best I think based on my experience. It's your match, though. It's your responsibility. So, but I would, you know, you guys go and put it together. When you come back, you know, I'll help you to either add stuff or take things away or not do something at a certain point to do it later or do it earlier so that you can do what we're trying to achieve. Yeah. And... <clears throat> That's a skill unto itself, and that's up to the to the wrestler, totally one hundred percent up to the wrestler to go out and be able to do that. And they do not, they don't sit there and hold you by the hand. They do more so now these days, but back in the day, they did not hold you by the hand. They go, okay, and here's exactly what we want you to do, and when we want you to do it. And here's they don't because it just it's a living, breathing thing that happens in the moment. If it does, if it doesn't happen like that, 
then that's what leads to the criti- criticism yeah. by the audience. It'd be, well, you know, just didn't work, you know, blah, blah, blah. Because yeah. creative, just so you understand, because, you know, you're right. I've been on the creative side. But when I was on the creative side, I could only do what the wrestler gave me. You know, they'd go out in the ring and they'd do something. And I would go, oh, man, I could, if, you know, he's this person. I could mm-hmm. tell this story. But if he just goes out and he's just another guy in a pair of trunks and a pair of tights, I, it never, it's, you know, it never made me go, oh, if I had him do this with this guy, I could tell this story. Right. We could build to this thing and we could then do this. You know what I mean? Yeah. That never happened. But when guys go out and they, they create, they do things, it makes you, whether they win or lose, which doesn't matter. I, it, that, I, that's so... Oh my God, it's so painful. You could sew my head to the floor and it would not hurt as much as to listen to people go, oh, you, you know, that guy's losing their job. Now, for one, people don't even know what a, a jobber is anymore. And we haven't had it in probably 25 years. You know, they don't exist. And so how you can do that, you know, losing was not, is not doing the job. Um, it, that's called doing the favor. And the, you know, and the reason it's called doing a favor is because when the time's right, you, the favor was returned. And you know, um, but winning and losing don't honestly don't mean nothing. They don't mean anything. You you can win every match, and you still, you know, we put a magnet up your rear end and drag you through Fort Knox naked, and you wouldn't draw a dime. <laughs> and yeah. I've seen guys who lose every match, you know, and you know, I, I use the example all the time: Tommy Dreamer was a major star in ECW and he lost every single match. Yeah. He lost all the time. Yeah. Not all the time. He lost every single match. So according to the evaluation, well, he had some retribution against Raven, right? He went like two years without winning and he finally won that one match. That's all he won. (laughs) Yeah. So he was a jobber. He got jobbed out. Yeah. Yeah. Great stuff, Al. Uh, let us know uh, where we can find you other than TNA uh, social media and uh, plug your academy. Okay. Um, you can find me at the Real Al Snow. Yes, there were uh, fakes. I usually would write them and tell them that they wanted to fake being a celebrity aim higher, but, you know, whatever. Um, the Real Al Snow on Facebook, The Real Al Snow on Instagram, The Real Al Snow on Twitter, and uh, Al Snow's Wrestling Academy. We're on Facebook and on Twitter as Al Snow's Academy. And then Al Snow Academy dot UK or no dot yeah, Al Snow's Academy UK dot com on our website. So Al Snow's Academy UK dot com. Yes. Awesome. And of course at the real Al Snow on Twitter. Uh follow the man uh, or he will follow you. I will stalk you. <laughs> Awesome. Hunt you down and stand outside your house and stare in your window. Yeah, so you will have a white mannequin head with you. Yeah, yeah we'll just hang out, you know, and because uh, it is the season to be jolly. That's, so. abso- that's absolutely right. So if you just yeah. put mannequin heads in pe- on people's porches, I think it'll just fit right with the season. I think so. I mean, Halloween, we do it with, you know, jack-o'-lanterns. Why not for Christmas do it with there you you go. Know, mannequin heads? Perfect. So. <laughs> it's been a pleasure, Al. Thanks for your time, man. Thank you very much, Chris. Hi, everybody. Bye. Episode 247. Thank you so much, Al Snow, the legendary Al Snow, former WWE 
uh, European Hardcore Tag Team Champion uh, in TNA. He's been uh, involved with TNA for, uh, I believe, uh, about seven years now. The entire 2010 decade with the Gut Check Challenge and uh, all uh, the ECW revision type feud with uh, EC3 and um, just a bunch of different uh, different hands uh, that he had that he's had in TNA uh, for the past uh, half dozen years. So Al Snow, man, such a uh, such a legendary uh, wrestler, one of very a very good wrestler. This guy's been, you know, I was digging, of course, before I do interviews, I, I do a lot of digging. Uh, and he's, he's been open. He has his own wrestling school. Now the, the Academy, um, in the, in, in the UK. But the, the, the funny thing is, is that I, I, I saw that he opened like a operate, like a wrestling school, like back in 95. So that's a uh, very, very crazy. All right, ladies and gentlemen, so let's get started on the show. We got a lot to talk about, and without further ado, uh, one of my favorite co-hosts in the entire world, former feature columnist for the Bleacher Report WWE, he is the writer extraordinaire, and if you don't think he can write, go read his stuff and be uh, dreadfully wrong. So without further ado, Mr. Travis Taylor, how are you tonight, sir? I'm doing great, man. Thanks so much for having me back on. What an introduction. Thank you so much. <laughs> and <laughs> what an incredible man. interview with Al Snow. That was that was awesome. Man, I appreciate it, man. It's just yeah. you know, as you know, I I have a uh a formatted show every time. Um and I uh I every every week when I have interviews, I aim to have it at a certain amount of time, but Sometimes, you know, when I talk to some of those legendary figures, um, I just let I just let it go in an overtime. <laughs> and, uh, oh yeah, absolutely. Cause, yeah, because <laughs> yeah, there's so much to talk about, man. I remember uh, my goal with Pritchard was about twenty twenty five minutes, and we went about forty five minutes uh, wow. because there was so much to talk about with uh, with Pritchard because he has such a storied history as well. So yeah, yeah it was you know, yeah, it's it's just like that. So. All right, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, let's get to the headlines. Here we go. Paige Van Zant, UFC's yes. Paige Van Zant. Um, she is teasing a WWE career down the, down the line. Now she's, you know, still with the UFC stuff right now, and she doesn't plan on anything different in the foreseeable future, but she did say on Fox Sports a, a few months back that she's willing, even now, she said that she's willing to work with the WWE if he fits in her schedule. And then, you know, she had that loss last weekend at fight night. Uh, you know, she's had, she has 10 fights under her belt. She's 7-3. She's only 22 years old. So I'm sure, uh, you know, if she wants to have a little less physicality and probably the same <laughs> or even more money, uh, WWE might be the path for her. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, Paige Van Zandt would be a great fit in the WWE. She's got three things going for her. Like you said, she's young. I think she's 22. Uh, mm-hmm. She has the look that WWE really likes, and she's very athletic. 
really all that remains to be seen is if she can come into the WWE and create uh, like a compelling enough character to get over the crowd. And it's not whether or not she can wrestle. I, I don't think is really relevant at this point with her character and name recognition would be enough. Mm-hmm. I think she'd be a perfect fit. Yeah, I, I was thinking about like where could she fit. I think she would be the best bodyguard for Alexa Bliss. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> that, I wish I had thought of that. That is perfect. Yeah. Oh, my God. She's yeah. small and petite like Alexa is. <laughs> she's a straw weight, and she's young like Alexa is. And they have a similar build. Uh, and it just seems like that's a perfect fit for her. Absolutely, and and that could certainly be a stepping point or a stepping stone for her to just transition to a full-time uh, ring career, just like China did back in the day, yep. starting off as exactly. Triple H's bodyguard. Mm-hmm. Exactly, because you you know because it's easy. I mean, it's usually those type of roles is really easy to transition out of because mm-hmm. every you know it only takes that one time you know where the person you're bodyguarding gets a little bit too aggressive you know towards you and uh yeah. and you snap on her and then you know everyone <laughs> cheers and there you go yeah it makes me yeah. thinks we think all the way back to uh, Virgil and uh, million dollar man yeah. Ted DiBiase <laughs> oh man yeah that wasn't a very successful one i think i think Kevin Nash was a successful one but not uh yes uh, Virgil was uh, was was not good. He came out with the with the uh, you know uh, candy cane um, uh, trunks on. <laughs> that was just that was, uh, was a little, little much there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. I mean, yeah, oh, he won the much dollar title. That was that was the best he had, and just a job <laughs> out. At least that. it was something, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, Steve Austin was million dollar champion too. Yeah, but he became world champion though. Goldust was That's a million good point. champion too. At least he had Intercontinental Champion, Tag Team Champion, Hardcore Champion. Virgil, yeah. on the other hand, he that was that's his best thing. And nowadays, you know, there's all types of pictures of him being alone during his autograph signings. So. Oh, I know that makes me sad. It really does. <laughs> yeah, it does. At least he had an opportunity to you know be on uh, the Edge. I think it was the Edge and Christian show. Um, mm-hmm. On the network, yeah, yeah, yeah was that? Was yeah, good. yeah, was a good yeah. So, I find this, I find this next bit pretty uh, fascinating here. Um, mm-hmm. So there was a there was a tweet that came out uh, last week uh, that <laughs> that showed uh, a uh, a house show um, script of. Mm-hmm. A live event uh, that happened uh, last weekend, actually, uh, and it was just it was just so <laughs> hilarious to me um, that it, you know Vince McMahon laid out uh, the just basically the 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 template for the live event, and there was just so much on there that was just absolutely <laughs> hilarious. And there was some that was in in, in bold print and red print. Uh, you know, it says <clears throat> producer agent. Uh, no low blows. Also, any uh, use of chairs, tables, or other objects must be approved first. Also, agents <laughs> need to approve uh, heels taking a uh, walk during their matches and limit to the top <laughs> matches. <laughs> And there were some things going on as far as like uh, 
John Cena having an only uh, being the only exception to something. It, it was something that was on there about that. And I'm like, what the world is this? So I, I, uh, I found that I found that so fascinating. I found that amusing. I saw that tweet, and I think there's something on there about uh, no pile drivers and yep. and something about the referee <laughs> taking a bump. <laughs> um, my first thought, okay, when I saw this, I, I found it very funny, and I wasn't sure uh, how real the document is. You know, I, I just part of me finds it hard to believe that something like that would just be left lying around. Mm-hmm. But okay, assuming it is and it's real, I don't find. It, that's surprising. Um, I'm, Vince McMahon is well known for having his finger in everything, just like micromanaging everything. Very true. Um, I think it would show, if it's true, I think it shows a commitment to, I think the WWE's part shows a commitment to consistency between like house shows and TV shows. Um, mm-hmm. I like to look at it as like, um, if there was like, a, you go to see a touring production of a Broadway show, you'd expect the two shows the Broadway show and the touring production to be the same in terms of content and tone. The thrill comes from seeing it live and the WWE is no different. You know, I don't want to, I wouldn't want to take my kids to a house show and find it, you know, three times as violent as what I'm used to seeing on TV. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good point. I'm I'm just fascinated at what's on the sheet. You know I mean? The consistency <laughs> is, is fine, but it says, uh, here's here's a part. It says new, no impromptu talent promos. Promos must be approved ahead of time by Michael Hayes, or by the uh, I think it says IE agent producer, and uh, mm-hmm. talent must uh, something about make the promo, make the content, run the pro the content through an agent uh, producer, um, and then then they must approve. And and this is true because I interviewed Brad Maddox. Um, and he basically said that <laughs> he said that, the, you know, um, you know, there's, there's, there's producers and then mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it still has to run, you know, through McMahon, but there's, you lose so much of your voice, you know, nowadays with the WWE, you know, and that's, there, yeah. you know, Al Snow, you know, uh, he's a legend in the business. I was soaking in what he was saying, but there's a couple of things that I want to poke at. And one thing, for the sake of time, I poked at one of them. Um, just with the, you know, nature, it's really hard nowadays for uh, a talent to really hone its own. You know, when it when it's when he or she is out in the ring because they're so bridled, they're so scripted, and if they deviate from that, uh, it seemed like that would be a good idea, but you might mm-hmm. get ringed for it. Right, and who's who's gonna take that chance? Right. It, it, I understand what you're saying. It kind of stifles creativity. You know, some Absolutely. of the best stuff is the stuff you you make up on the fly when you're in the moment. And, yeah, uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, I'm I, I'm don't like the micromanaging. I unfortunately, you know, it's, I think it's a part of what the WWE is now, is now with the, mm-hmm. just the big money machine. But uh, I don't know. Uh, we'll see what happens. Maybe. Someday down the line, maybe when if Triple H and Stephanie eventually take over, maybe we'll get a little more uh, spontaneity in the in the uh, wrestlers. That's true, and I think we see that with NXT. Um, Absolutely, it doesn't seem like it, it seems like NXT is more of a we'll give you a couple bullet points, but you know, uh, kind of hone your own as opposed to as Brad Maddox was saying, uh, and as Bret Hart has said this before too. Um, you have to, he, he, and and Bret Hart was not used to this when he was around, but nowadays 
they basically give him a script to memorize a few hours before. And, and Maddox said the same thing. You get a script a few hours before, and basically you have to memorize it. And you can see that's why Foley flubs all the time. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Stephanie has to feed him his line. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've... It's got to be tough, and especially if you have pages and pages of dialogue. I mean, even right. even actors have some time to rehearse and prepare. They don't give in a script, you know, two three hours beforehand and say go. Right. You know? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's. I mean, like I said, that's the reason why Stephanie has to feed him his lines. Sadly, you know, and he just if he, you know, I was. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about Raw in a minute, but yeah, he even forgot what city he was in. But <laughs> yeah, that was sad. <laughs> Zack Ryder out four to nine months, man. This this is the just the mo- most inopportune time for something like this to happen. You know, just the hype bros finally kind of uh, um, getting some traction and uh, kind of ascending a bit, getting some steam behind them to to go forward and go and, and onward and upward. Um, mm-hmm. I, I've always liked the hype bros. I, I think it was you know for the sentimental value for me, honestly, because both. Mojo Rawley and Zack Ryder was at the point of just really kind of, you know, uh, grasping for anything at the point. And just putting them together in NXT was a really, really, uh, it was a hidden gem. And it worked mm-hmm. enough uh, for them to go on SmackDown and, uh, um, you know, still get some still get some support from the crowd. And it yeah. really helped Mojo because there was a lot of times uh, when he was in NXT alone, he would get booed. And with the high bros, you know, he was with Zack Ryder, who's a consistent baby face. And so they finally got an opportunity to, you know, be number one contenders. And just, it's crazy. I mean, Torres Patella, you know, had surgery, uh, posted the pic uh, on uh, the Crave Wrestling Facebook page. And he's he's out four to nine months in, in this type of, uh, in this time. And it's sad because he's missing mania. Yeah. Yeah, I just is, I I agree with you. I think this is this is bad news for Ryder, because um, you know being off TV um, can be like a death knell for a character. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Ryder, I mean he's he struggled for a while. I mean he was big for a while, and he struggled for a long time to get back on TV in kind of a more prominent role. It's like the WWE just didn't want to, you know, take a chance on him. And and he finally was onto something with uh, WrestleMania winning the Intercontinental title, even though he did lose it the next day. It doesn't matter. He got that Mania win. And like mm-hmm. as you mentioned, the Hype Bros were just catching a fire, number one contenders. Um, I think what interest and, in, like, storylines WWE had for him, uh, they're going to be gone when he comes back. I mean, Nine months at the at the bad end. Nine months. That's a long time to be away. Yeah. Um, he's gonna have to start back over at square one. I think it's gonna be uh, quite some time before he's back to where he was if he ever gets there. I think that's a fantastic point because he's not at that main event level where um, you know his spot has a better chance of being there. Um, mm-hmm. I've interviewed many people on the show that basically said the same thing. I mean, if you lose your spot. If you get injured, that's the reason why a lot of people don't even, you know, uh, they, they don't even report their injuries. That's why a lot of people didn't want to, you know, uh, a lot of wrestlers that I've talked to was even scared to report concussions, you know, because they didn't want to lose that spot. Because if you lose that spot, you lose so much amount of money, you know what I mean? And that has yeah. to do with, you know, your 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 family, your livelihood. And mm-hmm. so it's, it's a really tough business. It really is because – 
you know, you wonder why people don't want to even report their injuries, but I can, you know, I can tell, I mean, that's how Cesaro was, you know, he was very, he was very silent about his injury and it started getting worse and worse. And he had no other choice, but to have surgery, he ended up missing a mania, but he was really, he he was really tight lipped about it because he didn't want to, he didn't want to miss a spot. Yeah. I don't blame him. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. It's you know it's it's a tough like you said it's a tough business and when it's it's hard to get back there unless unless you're one of the top guys like you said there's no there's no guarantee that spot's gonna be waiting for you. That's absolutely right. Yeah. Speaking of spots, so the WWE is interested uh, in in Matt Hardy. That's been you know news for a while. Um, one 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 of these days he'll have a premonition and he'll uh, have uh, he'll get signed <laughs> by WWE. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, my boy Eli Drake, uh, he was interviewed. I interviewed him on my show about a year and a half ago. Um, uh, kudos to all the uh, that interview has been uh, swarmed. Like uh, I looked, uh, it was everywhere. People were sending me articles everywhere of when they um, uh, well they they found out last week about a week or within the past two weeks is when you know the the article. Articles have been transpired has has came up and been been released and posted about uh, Eli Drake coming to WWE as far as them being interested, and um, all of them have used that uh, transcript of the article from um, the Pancakes and Power Slam show. So uh, that's uh, kudos to Eli Drake for coming on the Pancakes and Power Slam show, <laughs> and all of the uh, yeah. all of the websites that. Uh, uh, use that transcript, so that's awesome. But there's that one more person awesome. that's looking at. What's that? I said that is seriously awesome. <laughs> it is absolutely. It's yeah. a year and a half uh, later. That's uh, that's really cool. Um, but yeah, there's one more person that's uh, they're eyeing, uh, according to a source, and uh, that is uh, Bobby Lashley, 40 year old Bobby Lashley. They're interested in um, you know. There's some reports that are saying that uh, they're interested in bringing him back. Um, I, I don't see Lashley in a major role, uh, in the WWE main roster, but I would absolutely love, uh, Bobby Lashley, uh, in NXT. I think he would be fantastic in NXT. Uh, that's, that's a great point. Um, mm-hmm. when you mentioned they were interested in hiring Bobby Lashley, I was just thinking if WWE keeps hiring TNA talent, they're going to have a whole nother brand. Yeah. <laughs> the WWE TNA. Um, yeah. I think Lashley would be a nice welcome uh, back to the WWE, specifically, like you said, in NXT. He'd bring both, you know, he's got wrestling experience and some main, uh, mainstream name recognition. Mm-hmm. And uh, despite his age, he's still in, like, I'm uh, not that 40s old, but in wrestling terms, it is, you know. And right. he's still in tremendous ring shape. And I, I think, I feel like he can still carry a match. Um, my first thought is, is his health, like, directly related to having a lighter schedule with TNA and would mm. being in the daily grind of the WWE, even with NXT, would that take a toll on him? And would he be able to keep up? Um, regardless, I'd love to see him back. I think um, he could put on some great matches and uh, put over some of the talent in uh, NXT. I mean, it's oh, yeah. a, constant, a constant turnover down NXT. They always need some new names to come up through there, and, and he could really help push some guys straight up. And oh, yeah. if, uh, if WWE would also bring back Eli Drake, then everything would be great. <laughs> nice. 
I liked. I was watching him back when he was uh, Sean Ricker in Championship yeah. Wrestling from Hollywood. Oh, yep. he was Percy yep. Pringle. I thought this guy. Yeah, Percy Pringle. Team. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I remember seeing that. Um, yeah. yeah, he he. You know, let me talk to you. You know that that was uh, that was still known at that time, but this was not. Dummy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, the dummy button is one of the best things going today. Oh yeah, my god, I that makes that me laugh. <laughs> I absolutely love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I think, uh, you know, and I, I have to look at. I have to listen to that interview because I remember I was telling him that he should be. Um, I, I, it was so long ago. I, I mean, I haven't listened to it in almost a year and a half, so. I have to listen to that interview again. I, I remember saying something like, I was talking about Mike work, and I was talking about how, our, uh, you know, he was over in uh, Championship Wrestling from Hollywood, and um, <clears throat> just the whole let me talk to you, and just his mic work is so infectious, and, and it's it's so good. I think I said something about um, Road Warrior Hawk, and how I was a, I was a big fan of his uh, mic work. Uh, because for someone to be, for someone who was such a dominating figure, you know, he was, you know, uh, Animal would give him the, the best alley-oop in the world and say, tell him, Hawk. And then Hawk was like, well, you know, and, then, and he would and he would say like a story from Chicago. Like it would be so irrelevant to anything, but he would still kind of wrap it around. Like I was yeah. in Chicago and I was in the alley. <laughs> trying to get some <laughs> exercise and someone bumped me and the next time he woke up he was in the hospital you know just something <laughs> you know just something <laughs> that was just so random <laughs> but it sucked you right in <laughs> right and dusty roads that's going to yeah. be you you know it's just something it just and it's just so <laughs> random but like you said it sucked me right in and how and, uh, and I said you know uh, Eli Drake I said you should do a promo like that. You know, I challenged them, and uh, <clears throat> I don't. I have to. I mean, I listen to a lot of his promos. I haven't listened to all of them, of course, but mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, I have to. <laughs> I have to see if he does that because that would be really, really interesting. But he, he's he's so gold on the mic, though. Yeah, and he he's he. I I just think he's got the total package for for WWE. I mean, he's got the oh, yeah. he's got the look. He's got the talent. He's good on the mic. I really hope that someone wises up over there and, and brings them back in. Yeah, the only thing I'm so I'm so critical about is that, um, you know, and, and again, it's one of those things of how creative, you know, Al Snow's real big. <laughs> you know, he's real big on not voting. You know, not blaming creative for anything. But I would respectfully disagree on that because you have people like AJ Styles. You know, when Seth Rollins was a heel, uh, Kevin Owens. You know, those are people who are out there doing their job, but at the same time, like, they're not really getting booked as strong heels, you know, and and like Kevin Owens, you know, I'm not too big on Kevin Owens because, you know, I I think he's a phenomenal athlete, but um, he's not, he's not a very good heel because, you know, a heel should, if you're a good heel and people aren't going to cheer you, I mean, that's basically, I mean, or people, or people are going to chill you because you're such a good heel, like like Chris Jericho. Like, he's such a good heel that people love to hate him. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And with with Owens, it's just, it's not, it's, something's not clicking. It's just not there yet. And it's just, I, you know, 
I wouldn't put all that on Owens though. I would put I would put some of it on Creative because Creative is the one that is putting him in the positions, you know, to really do his best. I mean, they Creative has something to do with the matchmaking. They have, you know, a lot of the spots are called and rehearsed and, you know, ran over by, you know, certain people. Uh, I mean, look at that list that we just uh, that we just talked yeah. about, you know, <laughs> and the details that comes with that. Uh, yeah, so, absolutely. you know, there's not a lot of wiggle room that any competitor can have nowadays, and it's just really hard for a heel to be a heel. Yeah, I, I understand completely where you're coming from. Um, um, the only thing I slightly disagree with, I actually I like what Owens is doing with his character. He he does this thing that I call it a cowardly heel, where he's mm-hmm. uh, he's he's beatable. He comes right. He's a talent. He's a talented wrestler, but he comes across as very beatable. And he, the only way he can win is by cheating. And he's one of. My, I love watching cowardly heels. I just find him really entertaining. Like and, Flair and Piper. Um, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I I really enjoy that. And you know, growing up, Ric Flair was was my all time favorite wrestler. And uh, maybe that's why I enjoy that kind of heel persona so much. But I think yeah. um, I really enjoy watching Owens do that. Um, I like seeing him scared and running around and barely keeping his title. It's entertaining to me. I like that. I like it too. Um, mm-hmm. And like you said, I like the cow. I'm, I'm, you know, I think he'll, I think heels like Flair, Piper, Owens, you know, people like that, they should be cowardly heels. They should be. But mm-hmm. the whole point is they elicit, you know, booze. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, yeah. It, you know, it's, it, what's the disconnect with someone like a Piper uh, in a flare compared to someone, you know, like a Kevin Owens? You know, what's the disconnect that's causing people to cheer him? Is it because uh, the entering work is so good? I mean, should he... Um, should he dumb down his in-ring work as a heel? I mean, I, I think, to be honest with you, I think even elements like that are important. You know what I mean? For heels to, yeah. you know, you don't have to be so acrobatic as a heel because people will cheer the spots and things like that. If you want, and again, again you know, if, if this is wrestling, this is the totality of professional wrestling. You know, if you want to, if you're a heel, be a heel. I mean that's and that's my thing, mm-hmm. you know. It, when it comes to mannerisms, when it comes to music, when it comes to wardrobe, when it comes to uh, in-ring moves, you know what I mean? Just yeah. you can be a heel. And here's the thing: with we go back to Flair. Flair was very good in the ring. However, at the same time, there was a uh, th- there was just a heelish demeanor. You know what I mean? That he had when he was mm-hmm. a heel. When he was in the ring, you know, when he would flop around, you know, when he would uh, <laughs> get whipped to the corner and flop, you know, and, and flip around the ropes and, you know, just the, uh, uh, the, the the knee drop was very cocky looking, you know what I mean? And just the, the old man flop, you know what I mean? And just, the, uh, you know, but he's on his knees with his hands in front of him, you know what I mean? Just, just yeah. heelish moves like that. It just seems like it's a lost art because, I mean, it's, you know, <clears throat> both face and heels artistic, but it's, there's an art to being a heel. Oh, yeah, there is. Absolutely. I, I wonder if um, the disconnect between, like, Owens and Piper and getting cheered and not has something to do with 
um, knowing so much about Kevin Owens, the person outside the ring. Mm-hmm. Like, he's hilarious in his tweets. Yeah. Does that, I'm wondering if that kind of ruins the whole, like, how are you going to boo this guy when you're right. just, you know, five minutes before the show started, you were laughing at what he wrote on Twitter. Yeah, he's a great family man, yeah. too. Yeah, like, I, as a <laughs> yeah. father, I, I, I you know, I, I see how he, how he talks about his son online, mm-hmm. and that makes me respect him more, <laughs> yep. which is yeah, probably the true. opposite of what he wants to do as a heel. Exactly. <laughs> and and he, now he's trying to yell at eight-year-old kids, you know, to try to compensate mm. for the people who love him. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's, like, <laughs> it's, just, it's just a very weird conundrum. It really is just – this modern day wrestling with all the social media and Twitter, like there's no, I mean, that, that, that fourth wall is, is shattered. You know what I mean? Because yeah. back in kayfabe days, you you knew nothing about the person other than what the presentation was on television without the yeah. social media. Now there's Facebook, Absolutely. now there's Twitter, now there's Instagram, you know, and you know that it just seems like that the, the person on social media is the real person and you judge the person on the on the WWE based on the social media person, you know what I mean? Yeah, and that's a great point. It should be yeah, it should be a very big divide, but nowadays it isn't, unfortunately. Uh, yeah. Let's talk about this UK Championship debut in early 2017. I talked about it with Al Snow, and um, yes. I'm just I don't know. I, I'm really I'm cautiously optimistic. I, I'll say that uh, mm-hmm. because. We saw with the uh, with the European Championship, I liked it when Bulldog was involved with it because you know he's European. Uh, but you know the Michaels winning it and just as it went down the line with Triple H and D'Lo and you know mm-hmm. uh, just all the other names uh, involved. Um, Regal, I liked you know, but there was. There was so much more American involvement in the European Championship that it lost the credibility <laughs> of being a European Championship. It was hardly yeah. ever de- uh, it was hardly ever defended in Europe, you know, to be a European yeah. Championship. The good thing about <laughs> this is that it is you know UK talent. It is a network brand that the, the, the mm-hmm. that's what the goal is. So it seems like it's a it's a different direction, which is good. Yeah. I I agree with you. I agree with what Al Snow said. Um, I, I'm excited about this United Kingdom Championship, and I'm I'm excited, and like you said, hopefully optimistic about the idea of localized content. Um, mm. It kind of reminds me of like the old school days of wrestling in the territories, except yeah. this is like a new age version of that. And with and you know now with the network, somebody in California can watch local British wrestling and really get into those uh, those performers. And mm-hmm. it it opens up the opportunity, I think, for the WWE to create more characters and talent who they can then bring over to Raw or SmackDown and, and have these skilled, you know, uh, talent with a built-in fan base. And I think money-wise, it makes sense for the WWE uh, to sell local merchandise for local wrestlers. Um, I mean, if it goes well, we could see a lot more local content, you know, different champions – on different continents, and then going a step further, maybe then we could see the world and the Universal Champions actually defending the titles across the world. Yeah, I, I think true. the opportunities are endless. And and on a side note, I think the belt is really cool. 
Yeah. <laughs> people people were um, uh, criticizing it, but it, may, it makes sense. It has that UK royalty feel to it, so I, I have no qualms yeah. about that. Yeah. As you were talking, I did envision something very positive. I thought about just, you know, all of the UK talent, you know, defend in the UK for the UK championship. But, you know, the the major UK title feud, you know, uh, they, they come to the WrestleManias. They come to yeah. the SummerSlams. You know what I mean? So it it, it has that it has that appeal, that, that crossover appeal to the States. You know, they're spending so much time in the UK, but they come to the States for that big, you know, that big pay-per-view like a Mania or a SummerSlam. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Yeah. Maybe, like you know, I'm... I'm yeah, I think it's. I I I see it. I think it's going to be very positive. I really do. Yeah, let's let's hope. I, I hope so. I, I think that there's a, so much good UK talent out there to to make it successful, especially with all the uh, the promotions that Triple H is working with. Um, that I'm familiar with some of them as well. So I know that there's some really good talent there. That uh, yeah. that I'm happy that they're getting some exposure. All right, what are yeah. your thoughts on Roadblock? Roadblock. Well. I'm gonna start. Let me just start saying I've never been a fan of like the monthly pay-per-view schedule. I'm a little old school, and I and I like more time to build storylines, and I think less events make them more special. But that said, I really enjoyed Roblox. Um, starting with the pre-show, I really enjoyed watching uh, Big Cass, Enzo, Rusev, and Lana. Um, the match itself was kind of a throwaway. That's okay, but you know we got to see how great Cass and Enzo are, and they they reminded me a lot of DX. Uh, obviously not DXM, the New Age Outlaws. Like Enzo is Road Dog, oh, yeah. Magic on the mic, and and Cass is Billy Gunn. He's the stronger wrestler of the two. Um, I'd love to see Rusev, Rusev get a partner so that we could have some tag team matches. You know, maybe well, maybe Rusev Raw, and Samoa like Joe. <laughs> I'm sorry, say again. I said from Raw, seems like it. Yeah, I'm hoping so. Um, yeah. Some other highlights uh, for me for Roadblock. I loved. Uh, Charlotte and Sasha Banks Iron Man match. Um, I was a little leery at first when it was announced because I felt like they've had these two women and they just thrown a bunch of gimmick matches at them just so the WWE could say they had done it. Um, because the WWE is big on making history now. Everything is the mm-hmm. best now. Um, but the match outperformed all the other ones they've had and they did a great job of storytelling and keeping the crowd invested. And 30 minutes is a long match for anybody. <laughs> um, yeah. Great to see Sheamus. 35, technically. Yeah, 35. Yeah, you're right, because the overtime. Um, mm-hmm. Sheamus and Cesaro, um, I had a feeling they were going to beat the New Day. I just, with the record breaking, I knew New Day was going to beat Demolition's record, but after that, there wasn't really anything for them to do. Uh, New Day needed a major change, because uh, change is important in the WWE, uh, keeping yourself fresh. Um, I'd love to see a disgruntled, like, broken New Day turn heel. And Sheamus and Cesaro great together. They got this like borderline implosion persona that just makes them unpredictable uh, yeah. anytime they're in the ring. Um, Reminds me of Luger and Sting back in the day when they were tag champs. Yeah, and Luger, yeah, Luger was the heel, and Sting was the face. Yeah, yeah, and, you, and it was just an explosive personality. It was nice. Um, yep. I enjoyed seeing. Um, I enjoyed seeing Neville back with a new attitude. I think it's what he needs to get over because he's talented, but he's just getting lost either because of his his personality or his size, but I think he's going to shine in the cruiserweight division. And um, I'm happy Owens retained uh, his his heel persona is fun to watch, and I really think um, yeah I mean Jericho 
did the Codebreaker. We had a DQ. He saved the title. They're back together as friends, but I think it's just setting it up for a big, a big explosion, and um, mm-hmm. I think they're eventually going to fight at WrestleMania for the Universal title, Jericho and Owens. Um, hmm. You know that uh, you know I was actually talking about some talking to somebody about that yesterday. It's very interesting that you said that because I said I see Jericho Owens at WrestleMania, and uh, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm fine with it. Um, but Roebuck, I wasn't a big fan of. Uh, mm-hmm. Seamus, so, uh, you know, I'm liking the Cesaro Seamus uh, team. I like the I like the dichotomy of it now, and they're really good. Both of them are two of the most solid. You know, wrestlers in the on the entire roster. Um, mm-hmm. I'm guessing this is leading to Anderson and Gallows, but Anderson and Gallows is there's such damaged goods right now that it's yeah. You know, uh, I don't know how <laughs> they could be salvaged. I really don't. It's so sad because they were so dominant in Japan as the Bullet Club and uh, as Guns and Gallows. Um, but yeah, it's yeah. Um, yeah, I, it's it's really sad. So I, I don't know. Um, Huge. I mean, Enzo and Big Cass can do anything. You know, any day of the week, and I'm a fan of. I like. I like this feud with Rusev. I think it's actually bringing the outside the ring element back to wrestling, which I always talk about. Um, mm-hmm. And um, but, it, like you said, it was a throwaway match. Um, Zayn and Braun was so just irrelevant to me. I mean, I really yeah. don't. Especially, <laughs> especially what happened on Raw. I mean, there was. Nothing that came from that, so that, that was ridiculous. Rollins defeating Jericho, he does just about every week now. So I don't even know why that yeah. match was just there. <laughs> I mean, to me, I was I was skeptical of the match from day one. Like he beats him on Raw every week, so why are they going? Why are they fighting on the pay per view? I just, I just overall, honestly, the Swan. Uh, I like the Neville turn. Um, uh, the the. The Raw Women's Championship was was decent, but I just don't like the hot potato ness of the uh, Women's Championship. I, I, I can't stand that. Um, yeah. And Owens and Owens retaining was good, but we're going to talk about the Raw review here in a minute. Got about uh, seven minutes or so to talk about those two, but it's just you 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 have you have Owens retain. Uh, and you kind of tease a shield, you know, darker side, uh, just to have that tag team match on Raw and mm-hmm. to announce, and we might as well just, you know, carry over to Raw here and just to announce that Roman Reigns is going to defend against Kevin Owens. Oh my God. That just, I, I was just so disappointed at that announcement. I'm a huge Roman Reigns fan. But I do mm-hmm. not want to see Roman Reigns and Kevin Owens. This is the only way that I can see this happening. Like uh, with Strowman coming out, I was I was there actually. I, I was I live in Columbus. I was there. Um, yeah, and Roman Reigns. I was surprised that he he actually had a pretty decent Columbus uh, ovation. It was probably about eighty percent in his favor. I was I was actually pleasantly surprised about that. Um, or I mean, Columbus isn't a smarky crowd, but it can be at times. But typically, it's not. So I guess no. <laughs> I guess they like Roman Reigns. Uh, I was happy about that because I like Roman Reigns. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I, I just wasn't a big fan of just. I mean that that match to me. 
I like it, but it just doesn't scream really box office to me. And I actually wished that uh, Roman Reigns would, would rise the prestige and, and keep this U.S. title thing going and make it as as uh, as good or as make it on a level of the Universal Championship like John Cena did. Um, mm-hmm. And so I was hoping that. I was hoping that he would carry that into WrestleMania. Uh, but it just, you know, with the whole Braun Strowman thing or Raw, it seems like they're going to hurry up and drop the title from, from Reigns. So with Reigns, you know, how, how do you how do you incorporate that? Like how if Reigns drops the title to Braun right quick and then beats Kevin Owens or, you know, Jericho causes Kevin Owens or somehow he gets down from the cage. How, how, do you, how are you mapping that in your head as far as how Jericho and Owens will end up at Mania? I I just I think that there's going to be some kind of continuing like personality conflict where it's going to go back to Owens um thinking he doesn't need Jericho. Jericho's been there to save him every single time and I think that's going to rear its head again. Um I could see like you said I wasn't very excited to hear a rematch between Owens and and Reigns. Um but I think Somehow Jericho will get out of the cage, and he's going to save the match again mm-hmm. for Owens. And he's, in my mind, I see this playing out as is he's going to say, "Oh, I defeated Roman Reigns. I don't need you," and um, it's going to escalate. I think they're going to stretch this out until WrestleMania. They got a lot of time. There's a lot of backstory and a lot of investment in this, and I, I just I see it playing out until WrestleMania. Uh, yeah. Probably a blow up sometimes around uh, Fastlane. I think is in February. Yep. And uh, and then yep. heading on to there. I I don't see Owens dropping the title to Jericho. Um, I think um, he, he's going to lose it to either Rollins or maybe even a returning Finn Balor. I'm not sure when Balor's coming back. Mm-hmm. But I think once he gets past Jericho, we're going to see either an Owens Rollins feud or an Owens Balor feud. Very interesting. Um. <clears throat> So yeah, um, Kevin Owens with the Universal Championship going in Rania, I just that still doesn't really scream <laughs> appeal to me. It really doesn't, to be honest with you. However, um, the 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 good part of that is, I, I guess we'll well the good part of that is we'll, our flavor of the week. We'll talk about there in a minute. So, give me your uh, quick take on SmackDown before we talk about. Uh, uh, our thoughts of fantasy booking uh, the WWE Championship uh, on SmackDown to WrestleMania 33. <laughs> All right, real fast with SmackDown. Um, overall, um, I'm satisfied with the show. I've been uh, really happy with the overall quality of SmackDown since the brand split because last time they did a brand split, I think SmackDown suffered really badly, and this time the blue brand's doing really well. Um, I think that James Ellsworth has really worn out his welcome. Yeah. Um, he, he had the whole underdog thing going for him, and I was interested to see what was going to happen. But where the WWE failed with him is they've never actually let him wrestle. He just goes in the ring, and he gets beat up. He tries to do his one move, his version of the Sweet Chin music. And, you know, Ambrose Betrayal aside, if they had let him show off more what he can do – and have some kind of offense in the ring, I think people would have stayed behind him. And it says a lot when the when the SmackDown crowd is cheering AJ Styles as he's beating up James Ellsworth. Yeah, one more time. You know? <laughs> one more time. 
<laughs> yeah, I think uh, I think that unfortunately has played itself out, and I'm not sure where they're going to go with Ellsworth. Maybe take him off TV for a little bit because they signed him to a contract. So we'll see what happens. Um, um, I think the Miz continues to impress as uh, Intercontinental Champion. He plays the role of heel pretty well, and uh, he he's kind of like Kevin Owens. I think he comes across as a beatable champion, but he can really hold his own in the ring, and he makes his matches really fun. Yeah. And um, I'm happy to see. Uh, are they, you know, just, they're going to see Ziggler and Baron Corbin facing off uh, against Styles for the title. I think it's, you know, Ziggler's a great worker. Corbin's got a great future ahead of him, and it should be an interesting match. Yeah, and that's what I'm happy about. I was very, and this, uh, by the way, this this best uh, describes uh, uh, James Ellsworth's career. <laughs> That's his WWE career right now. Uh, uh, <laughs> right. Um, uh, for the sake of time, I'll just—I'll agree with you. I, I agree with you. Uh, pretty much everything you said, um, as far as uh, SmackDown is concerned, I've been very critical of SmackDown with the whole Ellsworth at the, you know, on the top. I have—I just can't stand that. And it's Ambrose and and. Um, Ambrose and Styles keep feuding. I wasn't a fan of that too, but you know Ziggler's such a filler. Um, eh, but that really doesn't mean anything. But I do like Baron Corbin finally having an opportunity to shine. Um, mm-hmm. I also like the fact that they're implementing something with Apollo Cruz. So I, I think you know <laughs> finally five yeah. months later they're they're doing something with their. You know, with their acquisitions, and so I, I, yeah. I'm a big fan of that. So, perfect time. We got about uh, a few minutes left. Let's let's get into the flavor of the week. It is All now right. time for the flavor of the week. All right, Travis, what you got? Fantasy booking the WWE Championship uh, until WrestleMania 33. All right, well, here's what I, I see happening. Um, AJ Styles, he's not going to lose the title to either Ziggler or Corbin, uh, although we're going to see some great matches out of them. Um, with the WWE's focus on breaking all records, I see John Cena coming back at the Rumble. I see him tying Austin's record of three Rumble wins. And by hook or by crook, AJ keeps the title until WrestleMania, where he's going to face John Cena. And despite Cena saying publicly he doesn't want to tie or break Ric Flair's record, he will. I, t- I see Cena uh, taking the title off AJ at WrestleMania. Nice. All right. Well, uh, kudos to my boy uh, Ryan Fuqua, a uh, Crave Wrestling staff member, um, to, to pose uh, this question, which I, I he actually did the Universal Championship, and uh, he was like, why don't you do the uh, – WWE Championship. I was like, you know, I'll write an article about that. I'll talk about that <laughs> on the show. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, I think it's a great. Uh, I think it's a great topic. And when I thought about it, I thought uh, uh, three names. Uh, and, and this is this is my my direction on it. I think you start off with um, AJ Styles. I agree. He's not going to lose the championship this year. Uh, he's going to defeat uh, Dolph Ziggler and and Baron Corbin. Uh, then you have uh, John Cena coming back next week. John Cena is going to announce that he uh, is going to be in the Royal Rumble. So uh, basically what happens is that uh, next week uh, the, the, the wild card 
finale or whatever they they said they 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 coined it. Uh, it's going to be since since um, SmackDown has no pay per view uh, this month, and you know they basically their pay per view went from um, you know early September early this month to uh, all the way to Rumble. You know, so that's yeah. a big difference. So I think they'll stack it up next week, uh, and, and it will, we'll probably even see a, a Taker um, appearance either this week or the beginning of um, the, the first SmackDown of 2017 um, to challenge AJ Styles um, at, at Royal Rumble for the World Heavyweight Championship. Uh, Styles accepts. Um, Taker beats uh, AJ Styles at the Rumble. Uh, John Cena comes as a runner-up uh, to whoever wins the um, the Royal Rumble. You know, maybe even Strowman. Maybe Roman Reigns beats Stro- uh, Kevin Owens for the Universal Championship, and Strowman wins the Royal Rumble. And you got Roman and Strowman. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Roman Strowman. Um, we kind of, I mean, we saw that on Raw. This we saw the tease. He came out and beat up uh, Reigns and Rollins. So we may have that. Um, so that leads uh, Strowman winning, beating Cena. Uh, Cena goes out. Uh, the the uh, we only got ninety seconds. Uh, Cena going out to uh, the next SmackDown, saying that he almost won. He still wants to be sixteenth time champ, Taker's champ. Uh, ch- uh, challenges Cena for uh, the the um, well he he issues a challenge for the titles. So you have Taker Cena for the championship. Uh, either you have Taker win and retire the title on uh, the following SmackDown, or you have Cena uh, beating Taker. So uh, that's nice. WrestleMania. So nice. Taker's uh, Taker's gone. So that's yeah. that's my that's my that's my uh, take on it. Um, Hopefully it's I like it. similar. Yeah, thanks, man. Hopefully it's yeah. similar to that because I would be very intrigued. Yeah. <laughs> All, right, ladies and, All right, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks, Travis, man. Uh, we we definitely uh, hope to have you on the show uh, real real soon. You're you're actually you're an amazing co-host, man. I really enjoy you every time. Thanks so much. I love being here. Can't wait to be back. Uh, my pleasure, man. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, 247 episodes, pancakes and power slams. Thanks to Al Snow. Thanks to Travis Taylor. Uh, Merry Christmas to everyone, and we'll see you on the other side uh, next Tuesday. Uh, another uh, another guest, another co-host, as we do every year. It'll be the last one of the year, so we're going to have a lot of fun. Ladies and gentlemen, God bless you all. Have a good night. Once again, Merry Christmas. Bye-bye. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.